0: Lot Talk Radio You are listening to LA Kings Road Talk Radio
1: Well, I don't know if I'm really the host. I'm definitely, uh, well, no, definitely not the host. I am sort of the substitute voice. I am the guardian of the galaxy at the moment. This is L.A. King superfan Augie Loya, and I am here with J.D. Styles, a.k.a. Jeff Duarte, a.k.a. Jordan Nolan's biggest fan in the NHL. And, Jeff, are you there?
2: I am here, Augie, and... I am such in a great, great mood because obviously uh, after playing in Buffalo and the Kings getting the win there, you know, they touched greatness by playing against the legendary Jordan Nolan and that greatness carried over to this game against Chicago with the Kings beating Chicago. So I couldn't ask for for anything better than that.
1: Well, the only thing that I could ask for better than that is if our grand poobah of a host was actually to log in, but due to server errors and a couple little problems, we're uh, we're well, we are we are awaiting his arrival, sort of like Caesar conquering Caesar returning to Rome, and uh what is it? Fashionably late? Is that what we call it?
2: It is, but uh, it, things didn't work out for Caesar though, so hopefully it works out better for Hip.
1: Yeah, hopefully it does work out for Hip and uh Hip. Oh, Hip is in the queue and. Uh, well, uh, Jeff, apparently, I think you're the gatekeeper, so how about letting the, the Grand Poopah, the, <laughs> the king of swing, the man in Hired Gun Trio, the one who is mentally dating somebody whose name I will not I will mention, you <laughs> <it's> too good.
3: <laughs>
1: and that would be the hip check, Scott Cahill. Hey, guys, how are you
4: doing tonight? Good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah yeah it's always nice always nice and we got a lot to talk about here and uh uh always nice to it's weird being being a guest on my own show but that's a life is filled with challenges and it's what, how you adapt it really makes you uh the the king of the crop and the grand poobah i guess but uh yeah hey awesome guys really when uh when we look at when we look at tonight's game and really we look at big picture we're now uh You know, three wins, three losses on the road trip, which is kind of where we thought we'd be realistically or, you know, we were hoping to really that Carolina game is is the one that stings just where they are in the standings. You're hoping uh, that was one we would have got a point out of. But, hey, here we are once again, three and three uh, at the the road trip. And you know what? If they can put in an effort tomorrow night and – you know, get to, even just getting tomorrow into overtime, Let, let's, honest, let's be honest, if we could just get into overtime, uh, for tomorrow's game, I think, uh, without a doubt, you have to consider this a successful road trip.
1: I've got no argument there with that, with that sentiment, especially with how great Winnipeg has been playing and how tough they are inside their own building. Uh, yeah, I'd love to uh, get out of there with one uh, pretty much just, I, that would be great. And, uh, and having uh the extra point would be gravy that just would be like pretty flipping awesome to take the bad taste out of the, uh, out of our mouths of the of the couple of losses that we took that, uh, maybe we shouldn't have at least, at least in the fashion that we did against uh, Carolina.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, even tonight, once again, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you want to, you know, probably too premature to call it the Fanu factor or something like that. But, uh, I think the most encouraging thing about the Kings now is it's an entire team that's, uh, that's rolling it out. You're getting stuff from every line. Every line is manufacturing stuff and, uh, and, and making things happen. Uh, I think you still got to be a little concerned about Pearson Toffoli, and we'll talk about that just a little bit, a little bit later. But once again, uh, the the renaissance of uh, Andy Andrioff, Really, just that whole fourth line as a, as a whole, uh, Mike Amadio and Johnny Brzezinski, uh, I just—I don't think anybody should have any complaints about what we're getting out of our fourth line. And it's weird in that it's almost a trickle up because now you're seeing, once again, Tori Mitchell. Uh, you saw Nate Thompson making some good plays tonight. Um, maybe a little premature before we, uh, have, once again, have to play a quality team in uh in in winnipeg tomorrow night but guys are you kind of starting to to sense a little change in the momentum and uh just kind of starting to see a little things changing kind of in the king's favor as far as once again momentum and the way uh the chips are starting to fall and now once again we look at uh carter uh coming back maybe here in the next three games Uh, you kind of starting to feel a palpable uh sense of change in the weather boys
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's a big difference that the Kings uh, have been uh, having right now is the fact that uh, with the uh, Dion Phanoth and Nate Thompson trade to L.A., you know, it's creating problems that we want on the L.A. Kings, which is depth and people competing for roster spots, which will only get more competitive once Jeff Carter and Trevor Lewis come back on the team. From injury. There's also Michael Mersch, who's sitting on the sidelines, who has recently been called up. And when you have Tory Mitchell as the second line right winger, and he, he actually ends up scoring a goal today, stuff like that, uh, that depth is now starting to show itself because the team is playing as a team. And you mentioned that fourth line of Amadio Bradzinski and and Andy Adamo Andrew, or should I say Andy Brett Hall Andrew, the way he was playing today. Uh, they just have standout <laughs> chemistry. And really, that's our best line that we have at the moment right now, and the other lines aren't doing too badly either. Of course, Defoli and Pearson still need to step it up, and Defoli now on the third line, Pearson still on the second line, none of them really getting anything going here uh, at all. But it's just great to see that. You know, you need the bottom six to create, to score, and provide energy. And right now we have uh, a real hot one with, with the three on the fourth line. We have now Amadio Brodzinski and Andy Andreoff like, that's a line that I'm worried about getting broken up once Carter and Lewis uh, come back because they are definitely performing at the top of their level right now.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's going to be intriguing, really, to see what happens because uh, because of the way that fourth line is playing. I mean, they are playing well, uh, of course, very, very limited minutes. But the thing is, is they're producing in limited minutes, you know, Uh when when we look at the, the last, uh, you know, three, four, five games, they've scored, I think, almost every game now. And Brodzinski tonight, you know, for instance, has a couple of block shots, picks up an assist, and five minutes of play. You know, he got actually uh, just under six minutes of play time. But it's fascinating watching because they're certainly not hurting the team. And because uh, Brodzinski and Mario in particular have the uh, – the offensive skill, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tough choice. I, 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 I'm reticent to say it, but I'm almost be diff- disappointed when Lewis comes back and when Carter comes back, that, sad to say one of those guys is probably going to go down and it's probably going to be a, uh, well, Mersh, once again, he probably will not get any time. Let's be honest. He, uh, he, I doubt he's going to see any games in his stay Uh, once uh, they get back home after tomorrow's game, I think he immediately goes back to Ontario. Uh, we know Trevor Lewis probably at that point gets activated, and we are hearing rumors of uh, Carter uh, being activated either for uh, the Edmonton game or that first uh, Vegas game. I'm hearing mixed uh, things about his return, but we got to wonder how realistic is he going to be coming back after that long layoff. And and once again, it's, it's a tough decision. And, Augie, I mean – You know, what do you do? Once again, let's work on the hypothetical here that Mersh, without a doubt, is going to get uh, sent down. That's going to open up a spot for Lewis. Uh, But when we bring up Carter back, once again, somebody has to go down. Now, Kings are carrying an extra defenseman right now with uh, Gravel and Ledoux. So I suppose uh, not out of the realm, Ledoux does not have to clear waivers. So he's probably really going to be the odd man out there, but – as far as real-time game situation and the success of the fourth line, uh, you know, waggy what do you do when Carter and uh, Carter and Lewis comes back? Uh, who's your odd man out? Well, my well, first of all, you've got to make it uh, obviously. It's going to be two.
1: It's a twofold effect. Uh, you send in the person who doesn't have to clear waivers and who's got a higher contract. Because remember. Uh, you still need the salary cap room uh, in order to activate these guys. So uh, that's there's that to consider as well. And luckily the Kings have kept that under control and Carter's a bargain for what we have him for. Uh, so, I mean, realistically, I mean, at this point uh, it's, it's going to be Mersh that, that goes down. I mean, that's, that's, that's the only thing that, uh, that you could do. The other guy that actually might go down and, well, Ledoux because Ledoux is waivers exempt. Uh, Brzezinski is waivers exempt. I, how do you send down Amadio? Amadio's been playing fantastic since he's been up here. So that's a, I mean, that's that's one thing that really you got to consider when it's uh, when it's all said and done here. Uh, that there is definitely the odd man out actor uh and if they send Gravel down Gravel does have to clear waivers because he's played the minimum amount of NHL games so uh yeah i mean that's that that's the quandary that uh, that you're stuck in there but i mean you're getting Carter back and eventually uh Trevor Lewis which uh we still I, we really haven't heard much about what the extent injury is or how long he's going to be or how short he's uh how short he's going to be uh we just know that with lewis that uh, rob blake confirmed that it was not a concussion Uh, but i still haven't gotten a clear answer to that uh what's really going to tell me a lot is uh when we see the boys uh, practice on friday I, I do mm-hmm. believe that after things get back tomorrow, after tomorrow's game, I believe they're taking Wednesday off. I I'm pretty sure they get that day off. Uh, then they play uh, against Dallas on Thursday, and then uh, Friday will be uh, will be a practice uh, before they gear up for Edmonton on uh, Saturday. But we'll see. On Friday's going to tell Friday's going to tell a lot. Uh, Friday will definitely uh, will definitely break into uh, what we have in front of us.
4: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It's a, it's a good situation to have all, all of a sudden, when you look and we'll talk a little, about this a little bit later too, the play of Gabe Velarde, but now when you're looking at how well Amadio played, how Brzezinski has played uh, knowing that there's a Gabe Velarde in the wings, like it's strange that all of a sudden you're kind of optimistic about the future of the Kings because you can kind of see these young players. I mean, they, they can play Uh, throw in Kempy there too. I mean, I'm I'm actually suddenly, you know, uh optimistic or conservatively optimistic about uh the future uh of, of the Kings right now. Hey guys, uh let's go ahead and uh hit our three stars. Augie go ahead and play some uh three stars music for us somewhere there. Ah, you want me to do the three stars music? <laughs> I think
1: uh, I think I think uh I would love to do it but uh I got ordered from the hockey gods. Log out. So course to listen to the hockey <laughs> gods and I log out because and I think you just protested their hip. I think that's what was just going on here <laughs> so uh, so Duarte <laughs> <Definitely>. DJ Duarte <laughs> spin that stuff right now that three stars music okay
2: coming up right now right now. <laughs> might not be the right song but this is it oh yeah right.
4: there you go
1: love <laughs> yeah, it yeah feel that groove right there uh-huh that's
0: right. So, okay.
4: As All matter of right, fact, so, Jeff. Uh, yep. You guys, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You guys make the pick. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna
1: go here with the honorable mention first, which would be Kopitar and the whole fourth line out there, the Los Angeles Kings, that played a tremendous game. And realistically, what this trip has been about is the the production that we have been getting from the fourth line. Uh, even though Kopitar isn't necessarily uh, didn't pop in any goals tonight, he still was very effective out there in neutralizing Jonathan Tate and that top line that uh, Chicago rolled out there, and really didn't allow them to get much uh, going except late in the uh, second and third period when they all had a lead where they could uh, take control of the game and
4: things going there. Well done, well done, Jeff. Go ahead, buddy. You can uh, keep rolling them off.
2: All right, for the uh, second star, I'd love to give it to Jonathan Quick with yet another solid performance, making 27 saves out of 28 shots, a 964 save percentage, and really some excellent robs in the third period, especially on the PK where Jonathan Quick was just stonewalling the Blackhawks again and again, of course, keeping the Kings in it, it looks like Jonathan Quick finally coming out of that slump, that funk that he was in and the injury that he had suffered or possibly had suffered. So Jonathan Quick, I think, a perfect candidate, or actually should be the second star of the game.
1: Well, you know what? We, uh, we, we omitted my favorite player, the man that we passed, Vladimir Tarasenko, over to draft back in 2007, and that would be the number three star, Derek Forbert. We were remiss in not mentioning Derek Forbert's uh, awesome effort tonight. I mean, he had a shot on goal, and that, that's enough right there to consider him for a, for a star
4: right there. <laughs> but no, actually, yeah, really there's good a, hockey. If, if there is really good hockey. Go ahead. Game, if there is a weak spot to Forbert's game, uh, without a doubt, we've talked about it a lot on this show, his strange inability to get pucks in on net is definitely a weakness. But – Augie, as you said it, uh, as you said it uh, tonight, uh, I mean, he's getting kind of a lot of hype lately about how he's improved and how his defense has improved. And uh, tonight there was a play there. Me and Augie talked about it uh, in the second period. Nice, nice move, moves it right up the boards and a nice couple of stick handles bought himself time. And uh, just, yeah, he's there's, there's definitely been an improved play. And once again, uh, how much can we, attribute that to fanoof and maybe being able to get him a little bit better matchups or once again, maybe just a combination of uh, combination, you know, who knows, but, uh, but uh, definitely did uh, a much uh, been a much improved player. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. You can uh, hit the drum roll and announce star number one.
2: Number one star, Corey Mitchell. What? Of all people, what? A solid game, 15 minutes, 11 seconds of play, playing on the second wing with Kempe and Pearson, uh, killing penalties. He had a couple of uh, beautiful shots on the net and scored with a beautiful slap shot. Uh, scoring in pretty much right after I was thinking What is Tori Mitchell doing on the second line He can't score And of course he proved me wrong By scoring his fourth of the season As well as going 75% in the faceoff dot So the number one star And there was many It was a whole team effort today We could have picked anybody But I'm going to go with Tori Mitchell Number one And there you have it
4: Yeah, There we go Our Our LA Kings three stars, and for you, uh, those of you newbies that have maybe never listened to our show today, uh, we actually always select our own three stars. We do not use the ESPN three stars or those that's selected by the local media, simply because sometimes that local media happens to be guys like Brian Hayward, and thus uh, we we discount their opinion entirely, so... Uh, hey, I did want to talk a little bit tonight. Uh, speaking of uh, Brian Hayward, we do have an update here. Ducks, Vegas, Ducks winning right now, one to nothing. Uh, five minutes left in that Action. game, so one to nothing. Let's hope Vegas can come back and uh, put a couple of quick goals. This would be a huge good night for the Kings if uh, Vegas actually happens to lose. So, um, actually, hey guys, it's I
1: it's two nothing Ducks. It's actually two nothing ducks at the moment, but the goal is under review for possible offsides, Uh, and it looks like the goal might be waved off because it is really close. It looks like uh, it looks like the ducks player got in a little a little too soon. But here's another little bit of breaking well, not even I won't say breaking news, but rather shocking news. Did you know that the three want to hear what the official three stars of the game were today from uh, from our game? Go ahead. Number 3 star, Dion Fanoof of the Kings. Okay. Number yeah. 2 star, Tori Mitchell of the <laughs> Kings. And the number 1 star was Jonathan Quick.
4: And with close that
1: you. awesome well, with that awesome news, the Ducks goal has been waved off due to
4: offside. Woo-hoo-hoo. The refs nice, just nice. Never. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, real quick before we go ahead and uh we'll take some calls here. I did just want to point out uh tonight uh really a, a a good job of John Stevens really distributing uh defensive minutes. Why do you ask? Doughty under 23 minutes of ice time. That's a light night for Drew Dowdy. and knowing that there's back-to-back games. Uh really really good job. Who was uh number 2, you might ask? Well, that would be uh Mr. D Well, I'm sorry. Uh, Alex Martinez then, Alec Martinez, 22 minutes of uh, ice time, just a little bit, a fraction under Drew Dowdy, uh, Fanoof with 21-51, uh, so just a shade under there, so really good job balancing uh, those three guys, uh, lost in the shuffle, Jake Muzzin, uh, here we go, Play the get the drama music ready, Jeff, uh, Jake Muzzin, 18 minutes, 40 seconds of ice time tonight. Derek Forbert, 19 minutes and 29 seconds. Yeah, what does that mean, boys? It means that Derek Forbert actually had more shifts tonight than Jake Muzzin, 24 to 21 and more ice time. So, uh, you know, you, I tip my hat to John that. Stevens. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and really, once again, I tip my hat to John Stevens because in this case, We had talked about how Muzzin and Buffalo didn't really play that well. He made some turnovers that against the good teams probably would have been an outnumbered situation, and you don't care about it. You don't really give a shit because the Kings won. But uh, interesting to kind of see this sea change. And once again, Stevens uh, showing a little bit of uh, of confidence. So uh, that's my two cents. All right, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, Do what you want to do, my friend.
2: Oh, I just wanted to point out that uh, Derek Forbert, of course, Uh, back on the top defensive line with Drew Doughty, Muzzin, who has been struggling down on the third pairing with Christian Follin, and of course Fanoff and Martinez stayed the same as the second pairing, and that's another great thing about this trade, uh, bring it on, Dion Fanoff to the Kings, is the fact that he can also eat up a lot of defensive minutes, and if he can just build that chemistry with Martinez, which seems like that they are exactly doing that, you know, Martinez also playing into the 20-minute mark, you can take some of the pressure off of Drew Doughty and play him just a had less, whether it's uh, three or four minutes less than he normally plays, and that's, well, less wear and tear on Doughty, especially going into uh, crutch time here, trying to get a playoff spot and into the playoffs. So extremely important that they can trust someone like of doing that, like Derek Forbert can't step up and play just a shade under 20 minutes. Um, that's exactly what you want when you solidify the defense, which was the whole reason why Rob Lake made this trade. So, Faneuf, definitely so far so good, and uh, showing what he's capable of doing and doing everything so far that we hope he can do, just being a strong presence on that second second defensive line and doing a really good job at it, too.
4: Yeah, and think, too, just thinking outside the box a little bit more, think now if that is indeed the pairings that we're going to roll with, with uh, forward and Dowdy, now you got Muzzin and uh, Folan, you know, really playing on that third pairing. But think now, this really also gives Stevens a little bit of an option where if the Kings are down by a goal late in the third period, he now has the option where he can go ahead and bump Muzzin, who is a little bit more offensively minded, with Dowdy there. And, you know, we get, you know, under two minutes left, we're down by a goal. Gives him another option now where he could bump uh, Muzzin up in that role to hopefully tie up a game. So very, very interesting there. And, uh, hey, real quick, guys, once again, before we get to the calls, I wanted to, uh, in Ottawa tonight, uh, Marion Gabrick minus two, no shots on goal. The honeymoon is over. So there we go. Uh, Honorable mention, Nick Shore (laughs) did get get an assist in uh, just about uh, seven uh, minutes worth of ice time. Not a bad night in the face-off circle for sure too. five of seven. So just wanted to go ahead and give uh, some updates there as the Ottawa Senators lose to the Nashville Predators. So, all right, Jeff, go on, man. Bring on some callers.
2: All right, area code 602. You're on LA Kings Road Talk Radio. Area code 602, are you there?
3: Hey, guys, Larry, how are you? Yep. Sorry, hey, hey, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry, guys, no, you're fine. Hey, it's good. It's good you guys see, uh, to talk to you guys tonight. How's it going tonight? Really good.
4: Yep, good. Always good when the Kings uh, win. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah, I was looking over the over the uh, the stats for the team. Um, Amadio really it really is uh, picking it up. You know, lately I talked to I saw the uh, stats for the for the Buffalo and tonight's game, and. Uh, it, it, it's just it's just amazing how that kid is just coming along. You know, the little kings, you know, we were we were uh paying attention to, you know, as far as you know, Matt Amadio and, and uh and Brodzinski and uh you know and Ledoux and everybody, I mean those those are the that's the future of the team right there. And with uh with Amadio playing the way he is, if we can let, you know, cut uh you know, if we can keep you know, let uh you know, you know, Johnny Broad Broadway, you know, loose and, and have him uh play like he can, you know, and, and have all these other plays, you know, that we have you know, Gravel and, and uh and Marsh. for God's sake, you've got to get Merce working, you know, you know, give him some looks with the with uh, on the team there I mean if he's if he's ever gonna get anywhere, you know, as an NHL player, you know, they've gotta give him something to look at, you know. So um I'm really disappointed they don't uh, use him at least a little bit. Um, if not in uh, Winnipeg, if they, you know, if they can get a, get a hold of him and, and uh, you know, let him see what he, you know, what he can do with uh, against Dallas. I mean, that would be a great thing to have him, with him as well. Well,
1: who are you gonna who are you gonna sit in order to have him
3: play? Well, I mean, if uh, you know, if there's a possibility that uh, Lewis doesn't come back. Or, you know, no, no, no. Between, uh, well, hold
1: on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, just hmm. a second. Like right now, who would you sit to have him play? I mean, he he's he's been. Uh, I think this was his first game up or second game up. I'm not sure. Uh, but
2: second tomorrow
1: second. in Winnipeg. Okay, second game up. Yeah. Who would you sit to have him play?
3: Well, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the, the uh, stats, I. I would have him. You know, I would have maybe Andri- Andriov sit, maybe or or, uh, or someone like uh, that. You no, know, you
1: can't have Andriyov sit. I mean, since February ninth, Andriov has got he's got four assists a goal, and uh, he's a he's a plus three player right now out there. And he's been getting he's been very productive out there at the ice times. So you can't just you just you can't sit a guy out there that's actually clicking and gaining confidence and actually playing smart hockey. The smartest hockey I've seen him in a very long time. Yeah. I mean this I, I don't
4: I don't arguably, know what's gotten into him. Yeah. Go ahead. And and arguably I'm sorry to interrupt you too, Augie, but really this is arguably and maybe without question the best hockey that Andreoff has just played in his career. You know, really I don't, oh, here I we don't go. ever recall seeing <laughs> seeing a stretch of games. I'm serious. So I mean really
3: no, I don't. Uh, there's I never know.
4: been a more productive stretch of games for Andy Andrioff than we have just seen in these last five games.
1: Yeah, so I, I mean, normally, I, I mean, normally, <laughs> I'd be aboard the 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 Sid Andrioff train and uh, and let's see what Merce can do. Things, but I, I'm a believer that in that that in sports, especially, it's a it's a thing of momentum and confidence, and for a guy who's who's gaining confidence in finding uh, a niche right now, I, I don't think it's – I think it's a two-fold ba- – I think it's a twofold counterproductive idea. One in sitting Andrew up, and the other thing, too, sticking Mersh in there in a situation against the Winnipeg Jets who have a – they've got some big defensemen, big bodies out there that are big, mean, and fast. And if I'm going to put Mersh out there, I want to put him out there in a situation to set him up for success. And rolling him out there against the Winnipeg Jets, I don't think that you're doing Mersh a service. I think you're doing him a disservice in that regard. Because if you're going to give him a look, you got to, you got to give him a look in a spot where he he can build up on something. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. That's that's you know that's something
3: we can nobody help help with that. Sure.
1: So, yeah, I mean, having him just come aboard for, for depth right now, I, I think it's good to just give him a reminder and say, hey, look, what we haven't forgotten about you. And, and I think that that's what that shows right now for him. But at the same time, uh, I want to see the guy get in there and succeed. I mean, I, I, I would love to see them actually call him up uh, when we go play the Coyotes or something or something like that to where, <laughs> I mean, right now, right now we're in a pressure spot. And we're going to have a lot of four point swing games coming up. So, uh, you need depth out there. So, I mean, so the question once again is, I mean, who would you sit to put Mersh out there? I I don't think there's really anybody that you could just arbitrarily sit. I think it's great to have forwards there for depth because of injuries and such. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I I don't, I don't believe in just thrusting them out there like
4: that. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Good point for sure. And, uh, and once again, too, really, and, and I was watching too, and I, I was in the preseason, and I went and watched, and I, and I love Mersh. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We've, uh, you know, we've we've talked about this till the cows come home. But uh, once again, I think the game has changed. I think in the old NHL, Mersh would have easily had three seasons under his belt, really, when it was. Uh, more of a plotting uh, game with a lot more muscling and, and things like that. But the game has just changed. And uh, even even Ontario, when I went and watched him, like I say, I'm a huge fan. I, I love it when he sits out there on the slot. Uh, but the reality is, once again, I don't know. It's just the games of being able to perch guys right out there in front of the goalie. And uh, you know, it just doesn't translate like it used to. And for a big guy he definitely was being a little bit out muscled. Uh I think realistically, you know, to for him to get a shot, you probably would be looking now realistically at uh a, a Brodzinski sitting or somebody like that. But I think once again just I think I think Larry you bring up a good point and as much as I would like to see Mersh too, he's gonna get his shot up when he gets it when he gets a call. Unfortunately it's probably gonna be on the fourth line and unfortunately just because the fourth line is playing so well it's uh it's just not a, a situation that's advantageous for for letting Mersh uh get a get a get a kick in the can. Uh other than that I'm I'm with you. I thought uh, particularly last year, you know, be honest, that was the time that was the time when they should have had Mersh up there. When you know the team was playing like shit and they had nothing else going on, but right now probably just uh, just just not the time. Hey Larry, let us ask you though, uh, man, what do you think of FANOOF? Uh, Larry.
2: Larry. Larry's gone, but we have another caller oh, though. <laughs>
4: All right, go on.
2: Okay, area code four four zero. Do your thing.
0: Hey guys, how you doing tonight?
2: What's up Jerry
0: oh good things good things good things i i was I was pretty impressed with uh Finuch's play tonight you know the, the goal notwithstanding even if you take the goal out, he still played a great game tonight so yeah. uh, i yeah. i was I was very happy to see that um uh, hey, hey.
4: hey Jerry, let me ask you this real quick just because sure. you know the you always see it in the, when a team gets traded. The player they get coming is always elevated to the fans. The player leaving is always downgraded. I mean, you see it over and over and over and over again. But uh, as, as bad as all the Senators fans talked about, you know, Fanu's mobility, he's a pylon, blah, 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 blah. And I'll just – we could even go down the line here. Dude, I, I don't see what they're saying at all. He It looks to me like – It looks to me like he is no slower than any other NHL defenseman in his confidence with the puck. I mean, it doesn't, he just, to me, does not look out of place by any stretch compared to say uh, an Alec Martinez. And uh, we'll start with you, Jerry, but then we'll go ahead and go down the line with with Jeff and Augie.
0: No, I think that's exactly right. He's looked very mobile out there. He, and you know, you can't. That's what you want to trade for is uh, confidence with the puck and the experience that he brings. Especially right now, going into the stretch, it's it's the perfect uh, type of player to add because of, of everything that he brings. Um, I mean, when they were talking about how, other than the other season with Ottawa, that he's never been past the second round in the playoffs. Um, you know that, that's amazing given the the way that he plays. But then he, you know he played on Toronto for so many years, and he, he never got a sniff of the playoffs. So um, mm-hmm. I I I think some of the things that, that uh, you guys were saying in the last couple of shows when you were talking about the freeing him up not to be the marquee guy that everything's not all hanging on his shoulders. Is definitely shown in, in the way he's responded in you know in these first couple of games. He's got two goals. He's dropped he's dropped the mitts once. He's been in people's face. Um, yeah, I I think we got a great deal. I think we got a great deal, and we didn't give up anything to get him. So I'm real happy with it.
4: Right on. Jeff, Augie, go ahead. Your thoughts now uh, Now that we've seen three games of uh, Dion Phaneuf in which the Kings have gone two and one.
2: Yeah, I've gone on record saying, I mean, when we did the show where it was breaking news where Phaneuf uh, got traded to the Kings and, of course, you know, watching his whole career from a junior with Red Deer playing with Calgary, then playing with the Leafs as a captain, and then recently with Ottawa – um, to me, he comes as advertised. And what I'm talking about as advertised is that you have a veteran, calm presence on the blue line who's not afraid to mix it up. He's not afraid to block shots. He's not afraid to add offense. He's not afraid to uh, to get the big hit. I mean, he had four hits today. He also got three shots a net, scored another one. It's now a second goal as a king in what, three games? He had three previously this season with Ottawa. But for enough... As Augie said, the day of the big trade, where uh, Faneuf had that big uh, interview with whoever was interviewing him, saying how he was really excited about coming to L.A. And I've been saying for the last couple of seasons, because of the rumors that the Kings might be interested in someone like Dion Faneuf, I always thought that L.A. would be the perfect market for Faneuf, because he doesn't need to be the number one guy. He can play on the second pairing comfortably. He can... Uh, not have the pressure that a Drew Doughty or a Jonathan Quick or a Kopitar or, or Dustin Brown and when he's back, Jeff Carter would have, because those are the guys that will have the pressure of getting this team in the playoffs. Fanof can just concentrate on his game, and you're seeing that exactly happening right now with Fanof on the team. So it's definitely a so far so good, but that's what, he, what the Kings wanted, and that's what he's providing. So the whole thing about him being a pylon, I've always mentioned it, the biggest stigma... Uh, from Philip's career was his time as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And what people forget is that this is a guy who was playing 25 to whatever, uh, 24, 25 minutes as the number one defenseman on the Leafs. With Ottawa, he wasn't. And you you saw a renaissance in his career uh, last season, when his first full season with Ottawa, and he he helped lead them by solidifying their defense to within what? a goal, into the Stanley Cup final, going all the way to the Eastern Conference final. So he's very calm. He does not panic. Put the spotlight on him, and then you, it's a different story. Funuf is just not able to handle that large amount of pressure, but he's not, not going to get that in Los Angeles anyways. He's not going to get that pressure that, say, Drew Doughty would get. Um, so Fanev would be, you know, I said at the day of the trade, this is a perfect pickup by the Kings, and what we've seen in the last three games it's, it's obvious that John Stevens trusts him after playing 21 minutes and 51 seconds tonight, scoring yet another goal, three shots on net, four hits, two blocks. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And Jim Fox and Alex Faust were saying how he's actually been voc- being vocal as a leader as well. So all of a sudden now he's being comfortable on his new team, being vocal and helping out verbally, which is something that was an issue with his, well, especially his time in the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, People who want to see Fanof on the third uh, defensive pairing, I don't understand your line of thinking. This is a guy we need in the second pairing, whether it's Martinez. Right now it's working perfectly with Alec Martinez. Uh, don't mix it up because this is exactly what provided. And he adds a little bit element of uh, intimidation as well as the opposing teams are entering the Kings defensive zone. And you've got Big uh, big Bad Wolf Faneuf there who can crush you and break your soul with one solid hit. The Kings really never had that nastiness probably since – what Braden McNabb went to Vegas and even then McNabb wasn't at the level of a FNUF. So I'm still on the FNUF uh um train right now. I think he's been a perfect addition and I'm looking forward to seeing what more he can do in the near future with the Kings.
4: Well said, well said. Hey uh real quick guys I wanted to uh give just a Olympic update right now at the end of uh the end of two uh United States three, Slovakia one, uh former King uh, Ladislav Nagy, or Nagy, however you want to pronounce it, uh playing there for uh Slovakia. Uh goal scorers for the United States, uh Archibolo Wisniewski, former duck, former Hawk Wisniewski, Ryan Donato, uh with the uh the goals there. And uh real quick, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that because I'll be honest, uh the men's hockey uh, for ice hockey, not real exciting, but the women's ice hockey has just been fantastic. And so uh, let's go ahead and down the line, go down the line, talk a little bit about uh, watching a little bit of Olympic ice, ice hockey. Am I the only one that uh, the quality of the play in the women's division is far superior to the men's uh, in this Olympics? And just go ahead and roll it down the line, Jeff, however you want to start.
2: Oh uh, yeah, I always love the uh, the women's competition, not just at the Olympics, but also at the World Championships, and especially the rivalry uh, that that USA has with Team Canada, where they just go for broke, and they played uh best games I've seen in a long time uh, when they played each other here at the Olympics. The 2-1 win by Canada, where the United States were just within inches of scoring, and tying that game at the end of that. Av- at the end of that third period So it's always been lights out hockey The men's, to be honest, is the first time Well, since 1998 that I You know, I, I haven't been excited uh, For the Olympics I mean, before 1998, of course Without the NHL participation It just doesn't hold the same thing As a Canadian, I know Canada is the reigning uh, Olympic gold medal medalist champion to, uh, Two events running But it doesn't even feel like uh, It's such a it's It's such a different team with uh, with former Ellie King Ben Scrivens in net, and you know, and guys like Renee Port formerly of the Ducks, or. Uh, Brandon Kalzen's on there, former Kings prospect, Manchester Monarch player. You know, it's just not the same thing as having the best. It's having a best-on-best tournament. But a big shout-out for Team USA head coach, former LA, King, well, LA Kings legend, former LA King, Tony Granato. So there's a lot of uh, connections going on there, and that's what keeps me excited about watching, just seeing the connections there. But I have to admit, the women's is always great hockey. I'm always excited about that. But the men's, it's, it's really just subpar. And if Canada goes on to win the gold medal, awesome if USA goes on to win the gold medal that's awesome too you know we just got to prevent those Russians from winning it
1: well let me just piggyback onto onto this that Canada has played for a gold at every winter game since women's hockey became a part of the Olympic program uh, back in 98 and for the fifth time out of the out of six winter games that it's been there, it's going to be Canada versus the U S uh, the game. You know what? Put gender. There's no gender qualification here. Those are hockey players out there and they are damn good at what they do. Uh, the, uh, uh, the familiarity. What, what's the saying? Familiarity breeds contempt, and you've got that in full force here. And stakes are as high as they could possibly be because neither neither one of these teams wants to lose to the other. And the way that the uh, that the uh, U.S. for lack of a better term choked at the last Olympics, and Canada ended up beating them, still bad taste in their bad taste in my mouth. I just can't imagine how it is for the uh, for the athletes over there for Team USA. Uh whatever you guys can do, I encourage you to watch this game, Team Canada versus versus the United States for the gold for the Olympic gold. Shoot. Count me in, man. That, that's all that that's it. They drop everything you're doing. You got to you got to do it. You got to see it. You got to get out there and watch us because you are going to watch some great hockey out there.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's funny cuz when We were watching the U.S. versus Canada. Literally, my whole family, you know, the the boys, my wife, we were all watching the game. And when it was over, you know, my wife says, Jesus, I hope those two teams play again. I'm like, yeah, I got a pretty good feeling. They'll probably end up uh, seeing each other one more time uh, here before uh, the the end of the Olympics. Yeah, so just some some fantastic hockey uh, there as well. And, uh, boy, how much time we got left, Jeff. I know time's flying by, and we're almost probably an hour into it, but I know I had a couple of other things I wanted to chat with you guys
2: about. We still have lots of time, Hip. Perfect. We have an hour.
4: uh,
3: (laughs) 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 Or maybe two.
2: Maybe two. So
4: so here is something I wanted to bring up. Uh, Once again, going back to Carter, uh, if you're tuning in late, we're hearing – uh, reports that he might be in uh, as early as the uh, the Edmonton game, certainly no later uh, than the Vegas game uh, Jeff Carter uh, being returned so here was my my thought process, and once again we don 't know once again the Lewis status, but uh, do you and i I'm, I'm, my gut feel says this is what Stevens is going to do uh, my My gut feel says that right out of the gate. Stevens is going to reunite the uh, the 70s line, right? I mean, you're not getting anything out of Pearson. You're not getting much from Toffoli, even though the effort's there with six uh, shots on goal tonight. Uh So my gut feel says that that's probably going to be the first move, is reuniting him with players he's familiar with. Uh, first off, that's a benefit to Carter. Uh, next, once again, if by the grace of God you can get Pearson and uh, Toffoli going, Now, given the newfound play of our fourth line in conjunction with uh, the first line being solid all year, I think you've really got something. But I can't also but help but think that uh, given that Kempe is not really a natural center and uh, when you look, one of Kempe, I love Kempe, his speed, his shooting, everything. You know, what's not to love? But he's definitely not a playmaker, really. I don't think anybody's ever going to say that Kempy is a natural playmaker or a passer. Therefore, guys, what do you say? Uh, what say you? Kempy with Carter, and then maybe throwing Toffoli on the other wing or Pearson on the other wing. I don't know. However, you want to slice it. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on where you where you where you where do you uh, go ahead and put Carter when when he gets back into the lineup?
1: I think it's uh, I think it's a question of matchups, really. Uh, who does uh who do uh, you look at the team that they're playing against and, and make it uh, your line, your line adjustments based on who you're playing out there. And uh, Dallas and Edmonton are two very different teams. I really don't want to see Jeff Carter, uh, skating up and down uh, trying to track Connor mcdavid all night that's not that's not a recipe for success his first game out of my opinion so uh you know i yeah i mean i i think that 70 putting that 70s line back together might be a, an injection of life uh at the same time uh maybe even putting them down on the third line just to get him just to ease them back in. But uh, like I said, we're, I think we'll see what, uh, what Stevens has in mind on Friday uh, at practice uh, when they, and obviously if they do a morning skate on, uh, when they do the morning skate on Saturday that they usually do, but that one's optional. So Friday's going to tell us uh, what they're going to do. And it depends how Carter feels after
4: practice uh, going out
1: there for his first set of line rushes.
4: And of course, uh, Augie has already agreed to give us an exclusive by going out to the practice on Friday. And uh, tweeting live, tweeting every single drill, right, buddy? It, dude, I'm going to live periscope the drills. So not just <laughs> live tweet.
1: I am going to. I got the phone, the charger, and I am going to periscope uh, that information up there so everybody can see what's happening, as it's happening, as it unfolds
4: live and in color. Perfect, perfect. Jeff, what do you? Uh, what's your thoughts there? What do you? What do you do with Carter when he comes back?
2: Again, this is a uh, a depth problem that uh, you want to have. You love having. So, as you mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if Carter right away was put back as a second-line center, uh, probably in between Foley and Pearson. As we mentioned in the past few shows, you know, DeFoley and Pearson need that kick in the butt, and uh, no one as their center is really waking these kids up. Uh, DeFoley, of course, seconded with the team with 19 goals, but it's a very quiet 19 goals, and he's only had two since the new year. Um, their new calendar year, of course. So they've tried Tofoli up in the first line with Kopitard. That didn't work out. Of course, Toffoli and Kempe and Pearson have been playing together for some time. They were hot for a bit, and then it just went completely cold. Really, the only thing the Kings have left that they haven't tried is putting Jeff Carter or Papa Bear back in there in the second line and hope that he wakes these two guys up. Uh, But Carter doesn't have to be in that second line right away or that second line center right away. This is the longest that Carter's been out of a season due to an injury and it is one that required surgery so you may not want to throw him into the fire right away so there's options that John Stevens can play here you can put Jeff Carter as the second line right wing I mean if Tory Mitchell could do it today then Jeff Carter <laughs> at 50 percent or 60 percent can do it even better than him right so you keep Kempe still there maybe keep Pearson on the left you can maybe even put uh, carter on the top line but of course not a center that's Kopitar's gig but put him on the right wing maybe maybe move brown to the second line i don't like that as much because i like the brown Kopi connection i like what they do with alex i follow i actually wouldn't even like mess with that line at all so i hope that's not an option um they can they can put carter on the third line i mean to right now was on the third line but they can put carter in there just as easily who's going to be a center that i'm not too sure um, maybe it'll be Torrey Mitchell or today it was Nate Thompson. That'll be interesting. And you just you just watch Carter's minutes and see what he can do. And you kind of baby him for a few couple of games, especially if he's starting off against the uh, lowly Edmonton Oilers, that maybe you can uh, risk that a little bit better where he can play the second or possibly the third line. But if you want my, like, my educated guess, I think he's going to be right back centering the second line, which is his spot. That is his home and to Foley's going to be back at the right wing, and is going to be on the left wing. So that 70s line will be reunited. But it'll be fun to see what Stevens does, as Augie mentioned, when they have their first practice back at TSC after this long road trip, to see what they have in mind for Carter. But uh, I think I prefer him to be uh, eased into the situation, of playing on the wing with someone, even if it is the third line, instead of going right into that second-line center.
4: Perfect. Jerry, any thoughts about uh where you'd play Carter?
0: Um It I mean, I know it's it seems like the natural spot to put him with the Foley and Pearson and reunite that line. Uh, but I don't I don't know that I, I don't know that I would do it right off the, right off the bat. Maybe, you know, maybe put him I I like the idea of of bringing him in, say at the third line, get him eased into it, get him going, and then get those three together and and see what it produces. But, um, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one to call. That's a tough one to call. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. So, um, also too, uh, Jeff, you had posted earlier today that, uh, Gabe Velarde, once again, continuing his torrid pace. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about his big day.
2: Yeah, Gabe Velarde, of course, uh, L.A. Kings prospect, had yet another strong game with the Kingston Frontenacs, getting two goals and one assist today. Um, And the last game he played, he had one goal and two assists. So for two straight games, he got a total of six points, uh, which now puts him here... Oh, I just had it. I apologize, guys. I just had it. Uh, right now, with 14 goals, 28 assists, 42 points. 42 <laughs> wow. points! In 21 games, remember, he missed the first half of the season with Windsor due to an injury he sustained in last year's Memorial Cup final, which they won. He's also a plus 21 for Kingston, and since then, Kingston has been rocking and rolling, just drooling over this Kings prospect, now playing for them in third Place in the Eastern Conference with 32 wins, 17 losses, and 72 points, just behind the Barry Colts and the Hamilton Bulldogs. So out of nowhere, Kingston, uh, Kingston—that's that's a joke we have over here. Kingston, Bill Clinton, uh, okay. the Kingston wow. Frontenacs, uh, with uh, 72 points, now making a run simply because Warren Reichel made the mistake with Windsor of trading the Phenom on New Year's Day instead of letting him play with Windsor, which a lot of Windsor fans and Windsor uh beat writers were very confused and upset with. So Gabe Villardi, lighten up the lamp once again.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh once again too, uh once again don't uh, don't be too hard on Warren Reichel because remember his reasoning uh his reasoning as to why he uh you know, could go ahead and would move a Gabe Velarde was simply for the fact that he thought that there was no way that he was going to be playing in the junior leagues next year. He thought that he was be playing in the NHL next year. And therefore he thought he would get something uh, instead of getting nothing. Uh, probably not too different than what we're going to be discussing with uh, Drew Dowdy here in the off season, uh, knock on wood, but uh, really an amazing, amazing prospect. And uh, so happy that he fell down to the Kings. Uh, one other prospect, uh, too, and as a matter of fact, let me talk. Uh, pull this up real quick because the other thing that I thought was kind of funny is I think now he's like third overall in points on Kingston, even though he's played a fraction of the games as other players. I think he's already now like third or fourth uh, in he's team scoring. He's fourth story. right now. Okay, perfect. And he's catching up to those other guys pretty quickly, isn't he?
2: He's pretty close to third. Yeah, he's he's making a big jump.
4: Amazing. Uh one other uh Kings notable that we should talk about uh in goal playing for uh Sault St. Marie, Matthew Villalta. Uh he's number one in basically uh some of the the big uh number one in wins, number one with goals against average, uh number five in save percentage. Jeff, you follow, once again, Junior, a little bit more than uh, than we do, just by virtue of you being in Canada. Uh, are you checking out Matthew uh, Vallalta and, uh, you know, kind of scouting him a little bit?
2: Yeah, keeping an eye on him for sure. Since the Kings uh, drafted him uh, that past June uh, with Rob Blake attempting to uh, strengthen the goalie pipeline after it was really depleted with uh, the departures of G.F. Berube and as well as the uh, stupidity of Patrick Bartisac, and, of course, Peter Budai moving on to Tampa Bay last year. And, Su uh, St. Marie, we were talking about uh, Warren Reichel with Windsor. Uh, making the move, thinking that Velarde was going to play junior. That's why you can never really assume in hockey until, you know, for sure, because Windsor has dropped down to eighth in the Western conference and they are the Memorial cup reigning champions. Uh, Val- Valalta, I can never say his name He's catapulted the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds to first of the Western Conference They have only lost six games This season They are 47-6-2 With 98 games With only wow. 57 games played And uh, I hope he can hold on Because I will be seeing That team And hopefully he's, he, he'll be okay He'll be playing Because you never know Knock on wood I didn't have much luck with Valani this season but uh, they're coming to Kitchener in March, and I'm really looking forward to see what uh, Valalta can do uh, in that net. But, no, he has been lights out, uh, completely lights out, and uh, probably the top goalie, if not one of the two or three top goalies in the Ontario Hockey League right now in competition for goalie of the year.
4: Very good, yeah. His, check out these stats, guys. He is thirty six and five. <laughs> 36 wow. and five. I mean, that's just outstanding. Once again, uh, fifth overall in goalie save percentage, point nine one. Uh, number one in goals against, and uh, once again, really, really good pick there by the Kings. Six three, so he's got good size, uh, one eighty three right now. So he'll be filling out a little bit. And once again, Kings, uh, Kings only used the third round pick uh to get this guy. So uh right now, who knows, he's looking down a, a year or two down the draft. Uh he might actually be the uh you know uh you know successor to Jonathan Quick really when you look at those records and a lot of the times too uh Jeff really historically too the OHL is a very, very strong goalie uh goalie development league, right? I know the as far as like the Quebec the Q M J H L for instance Kind of known more as a high-scoring up and down, you don't really have the quality of uh, goalies on the whole coming from the Quebec League as you do the OHL. Is that kind of the prevailing thought there as far as the junior leagues go?
2: It is, it is, and so is the the Western Hockey League. Uh, the Quebec Major uh, Major Hockey Junior League not as strong as it wa- once was back in the day with guys like Patrick Raw and Martin Brodeur coming through. That's Felix Potvin coming through uh, that system. Uh, the OHL right now pretty much neck and neck there with the WHL when it comes to uh, goalie prospects. I mean, John Gibson well, was a that... Kitchener Ranger. You know, he's become now the number one goalie with the Anaheim Ducks, for better or for worse. Still don't know why they uh, let go of uh, Frederick Anderson. Jack Campbell played for Sault Ste. Marie as well. Um, you know, he's had a major comeback since coming to the Ontario Reign or the LA Kings organization, working with Dusty Emu and Bill Ramford during training camp and everything. So, yeah, always on the lookout. And, uh, you know, someone like Matt uh, Valalta wasn't even traded very – I'm sorry, wasn't even drafted very high up. And look look at the knockout numbers that he has with Sault Ste. Marie uh, this season. So, it's, uh, it's definitely a strong goalie grooming league for sure. Excuse me. <clears throat> yep. yep. Absolutely. Well you hey, know just, uh, uh
4: the other sorry, go ahead, August.
1: The, oh sorry, the other thing to uh, kinda of cap onto that as far as the King's goalie depth, don't forget about how the Kings luck into Cal Peterson who's man in the net yeah. down in Ontario right now. That's uh that's another guy right there that is really good, even though the uh even though the uh, the rain got off to a bad start. Uh Cal Peterson, I uh, haven't watched him in person, uh play in development camp and stuff. He's, uh, he's, I, I like him. Uh, I, it's going to be really neat to see him continue to develop as he gets uh time with the organization. Cause remember the Kings only picked him up over the summer or rather he selected the Kings, uh, over the summer and, uh, he couldn't sign yep. and get out there on the ice with them immediately. But, uh, he was a guy that started and played in the uh, prospects game when the Kings played the, uh, the King's prospects, played the Golden Knights prospects, and he looked really good out there. Uh, real fast, the other guy that I want to touch base on as the King's prospect is Jared Anderson Dolan, of the Spokane Chiefs. Uh, through 56 games this year. Uh, Anderson Dolan has 75 points uh, I'm sorry, 76 points, uh, 34 goals, 42 assists. He had 76 points last year for the Spokane Chiefs in 72 games. So he is outpacing himself by uh, 18 games. No, actually, no, I'm sorry, 16 games. He's 16 games less, and he's got just as many points as he did last year. So this is a guy I personally am really high on because his gas tank, I've never seen a player with such an amazing Amount of cardio. Uh, this, this guy really has got a lot of gas in that tank, and he goes full speed from beginning to end. So he's someone I'm real excited about. He's only 18; just turned 18 years of age this past September. Yeah,
4: great, great Can point, I bring point up there, you uh, hip he, uh, check. Yeah, hang on just one moment though, Jeff. I also want to spot yep. because uh, because because Augie mentioned uh, Dolan Anderson. Remember that Dolan Anderson and Velarde were actually, I think. The two youngest players in the draft, if I'm not mistaken, age-wise, they were the two youngest in the draft. Which, once again, is pretty impressive when you think, uh, when you look at development and uh, just the way the game is. When you have the two youngest player in the draft who also have to, you know, also happen to now be producing at the really the insane high level that Velarde is, and once again with just being the solid player that Anderson is. Uh, it just speaks volumes that uh, last year's draft, very, very solid for Rob Blake. And uh, once again, when we when we look at the Amadios, we look at Brzezinski, we look at the youth of Kempe, uh you look that you're still going to have a couple more years of Kopitar probably playing a high level. Uh, you know what? Maybe maybe the future's not as bleak as we uh, we thought it was not just uh, a year ago, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure.
4: All right, go ahead, Jeff.
2: Yeah, I just want to bring up, let's not forget as well, Marcus Phillips, defenseman with the Owen Sound attack, uh, also Owen Sound the captain of the team, is another Kings prospect, Jacob Friend. But Marcus Phillips, who was also drafted uh, this past June with Villardi and the boys, uh, fourth round, 118th overall, is so also having a fantastic uh, season with the Owen Sound attack uh, with seven goals, 22 to assists, and 29 points. Uh, in 55 games, now becoming a number one uh, defensive pairing, where before he was on the second or third defensive uh, pairing for the attack. I mean, last season, 13 goals, 30 assists, 43 points, and a plus 41 with Owen Sound seems to be continuing that as well, as Owen Sound is known as one of the toughest teams to beat just because of their size. And Phillips adds a very Drew Dowdy-like presence on that ice where, He's well-rounded. He, he, he loves to go in there and join the rush and at some offense but can also be trusted defensively and is a kid that you can put on the power play as well as on the PK. And this kid is only just 18 years old. So uh, Marcus Phillips, also another shout-out, another Kings prospect, defenseman, uh, very similar to Dowdy when he was playing with the Guelph Storm as a junior, playing for the Owen Sound attack.
4: Good stuff, good stuff,
2: good stuff.
4: All right, well uh oh, Jesus, we got an update here. It looks like the Ducks have scored again. Josh Manson is fourth of the season and uh Ducks have a 2-nothing lead uh with just about 10 minutes to go in Vegas. Uh boy, this 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 Pacific Division, guys. It's a, it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, as of right now, uh Kings, Calgary Ducks all with 69 points, uh, the only benefit really the Kings have is that they have a game in hand, and of course that's going to be negated uh, based on whatever happens tomorrow. But assuming that uh, the Ducks win, you basically have uh, uh, the Sharks with 72, uh, 72 points, then the Ducks with 71, Kings actually, and Calgary two points out of a out of a slot. Uh, once again, uh, it's. I'm really, really glad Carter's coming back. I'm really glad there's 20 games left, but it is going to be just a dogfight the rest of the way, is it not? Yeah, it is. By the way, there's one thing I'm noticing here uh, in how the
1: Ducks are playing the Golden Knights right now. They're pushing them around. They really are, I mean, being very physical with them, but they're not taking dumb penalties. Uh, they're just being very physical uh, with the knights, and I mean, like Kessler is getting in the faces of these kids and intimidating them. And the, these kids are—they're not—they're uh, not playing out there with the same spunk. And they're—and uh, they're the home ice tonight, so it's something that we had talked about as far as uh, what the Golden Knights might be facing when playoff time comes around. That uh, you, they let you—the refs let you get away with a bit more in tonight's game. Uh, they're. They're getting they're they're getting they're getting manhandled for lack of a better term.
4: Wow, Well, that's gonna gonna be gonna be a dogfight. Hey guys, I gotta skedaddle uh, because I got a big day tomorrow and some stuff to do. But uh, you guys continue to talk L.A. Kings hockey, and we'll be on uh, the air tomorrow same bat time at uh, eight o'clock. And uh, once again, hopefully the Kings can get uh, at least one point out of the game. Uh, hopefully, too, by the grace of God, with uh, uh, if, with that being in place, they win that game. They end the road trip four and three, which, once again, at times, it looked pretty bleak. So I think we'd all be happy as pie with that, especially uh, with the prospect of, uh, of Jeff Carter coming back. So I'm out of here, guys, but uh, you continue talking to L.A. Kings hockey, and we'll be back tomorrow night, all right?
2: Wow. All right. see yes. yeah, Hip. Yep. Go, Kings,
4: go. All right. Good night, everybody.
1: Wow. Jeff, dad left us alone. We got the keys to the car. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. So, uh, we've got, uh, 20, uh, 23 games left. The Los Angeles Kings have 23 games left in this season, man. That's, uh, that's, 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 I mean, they got 69 points right now, as we said. And, uh, Unfortunately the Las Vegas mounts a huge three goal comeback by scoring three goals in the last eight minute, eight and a half minutes. Uh we're gonna be back out of the playoffs again. Uh so we'll have to uh we'll have to see what uh, what transpires here. And uh, yeah, look at that. I mean, they're just uh, the, the the ducks are really just being very physical with uh, with the knights out there. And by the way, Gibson left with a leg injury, I believe, because Ryan Miller's out there in net right now. Ooh. He took a spill.
2: Interesting. He took a spill
1: out there with a um, when one of the knights players was chasing down a puck, and Gibson went out to kind of play it, and their skates got tangled and it got it got skate on skate. I don't think it wasn't a slew, but I'm not going to call it that. But uh, Gibson fell awkwardly, and the trainer came out and looked at him. And uh, I, I think, uh, see that's enough. one knock on Gibson. He does get hurt a lot. Uh, he, he's definitely. Yeah. Uh, they're very lucky that Ryan Miller's performing very well. That team would really be in a big problem right now.
2: Yeah, especially watching uh, Frederick Anderson. I mentioned that a bit earlier. Playing with the Toronto Maple Leafs, not having the best, you know, defensive team in front of them. Like keeping the Leafs into a lot of games, it really makes me uh, wonder why uh, GM Bob Murray let go of Anderson and went with the young kid in Gibson before Gibson really earned that number one position. And he, yeah, you're right. He does get hurt a lot. Uh, Ryan Miller, of course, uh, being up there in age right now with a 269 goals against average and a 915 save percentage, which is good, but average. If Gibson is seriously hurt, we don't know the extent of the injuries. He could be back in the game afterwards. He can be back in the next game. Or he can be out injured. It would be interesting to see if Miller could carry this team in Gibson's absence. Um, but also some good news from today, Augie, was that the Calgary Flames did lose in regulation to the Boston Bruins 2-1. to So at least that's some good news with the Kings. You can't have all those teams getting points at, you know, while the Kings are trying to win here and, get, and secure a playoff spot. So at least a little good news
3: there
1: yeah, and we can uh we're we're getting i mean we're we're getting good news and little little tidbits here there, uh hey, uh, by the way, Jeff, I just wanted to let you know uh I got a little bit of uh personal breaking news on the hockey front, and no all right, let's beaver all right, so, okay,
3: hold on, hold uh, on.
2: Uh,
1: okay. Here it is, folks. Yours truly, L.A. King superfan, Augie Loya, has been accepted as a voluntary contributor. That's the official title, voluntary contributor to fansided.com. And, of course, I will be writing about the Los Angeles Kings. And my very first first article that I'm going to submit, and uh, hopefully it gets accepted and they like it and want to utilize it, is what the LA Kings' trade possibilities are going to be coming up uh, as the trade deadline approaches us? And I think it, what is it, February 26? Uh, did I get that date right? I'm going off of memory here, uh, Jeff. Does that sound about right? I would right? have to
2: look at it. I would have to look at.
1: Uh, it. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that's right. And hold on, let my fingers do the uh, do the typing. Here. And yeah. The NHL trade deadline is February the 26. 26. Okay. So February 26th, I'm going to be breaking down what the Kings trade possibilities are both from the standpoint of being buyers and sellers, but I'm not going to break down who they might get because that's already done ad nauseum. I'm going to break down who I think they should give up and what they should definitely hold on to as the, uh, as the Kings approach uh, the trade deadline and also the decisions that will be made based on how the Kings do because Right now, in this stretch of games from now until February 26th, the Kings are going to play one, two, three, four games. Actually, three games. Uh, They're going to play Winnipeg, Dallas, and Edmonton. And on the 26th against the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, we will already – the trade line deadline will have passed by that time, by the time the puck drops uh, against uh, the Knights over at Staples Center. So these next three games, uh, if the Kings are able to – Squeeze out, let's say, let's say they get four points. Uh, What do they do? What if they get no points? What do they do, Jeff?
2: They stress me out, Augie. That's what they do. That's what they do. (laughs) They completely stress me out. And uh, my anxiety just went through the roof there with that question. Because it's going to be so tough. they got so many games coming up and a lot of them are not easy games at all. But congratulations on your gig with Fanscited.com. Looking forward to reading your articles and everything that you do for them. Of course, we have been fortunate to have you write for us a couple of times at Cali Sports News, and uh, you always knocked it out of the park. So it's no surprise to me, but congratulations, sir.
1: Uh, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that, and you have, uh, you've been such a big part of that uh because without you giving me a chance uh I didn't have a body of work to submit <laughs> I would have had nothing
3: yeah yeah uh, fair so, enough
1: <laughs> yeah so I mean you're very uh, welcome it's sir it's something that uh, it, it's something that I really uh that I really want to get into as I start to kind of lay the foundation for what I want to do uh down the line because down the line I I would like to uh I would like to write and, and get paid for my insane thoughts or my good thoughts, my bad thoughts, my crazy thoughts uh, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. Well, I'd like to get paid for those two times I am right. But this is a voluntary contribution uh, that I'm doing for them. And uh, really, it's just going to be in the body of work that I submit and, uh, and staying with my comfort zone and uh, writing stuff that's thought provoking. It may not always be something someone wants to read. It may not always be something that, uh, that people will agree with. But what I want to do is provoke thought, conversation, and hopefully uh, – Get a good debate going, a good hockey debate going.
2: Yeah, for sure, and I can completely relate. And uh, of course, you'll have nothing but success, sir, success. But of course, we might be competing against each other with Cali Sports News versus FanSided.com, or are we really working together? Who knows? But that's the drama of this. But I definitely love uh, writing—you know—writing articles. I can completely. Uh, relate to you on that Uh, Augie just putting my own crazy thoughts on there as well and I think that's why we have a lot of things in common that's definitely one of the things we have in common and uh yeah just have fun with it that's the only advice I can give you just write as yourself pour your heart out into it as I know you will and uh, the results will be successful without a doubt sir
3: well
1: thank you that's I'm I'm definitely uh, looking forward to it and uh i uh, I think this will be uh it's gonna be a lot of fun to uh, get out there and uh and open up to another uh <laughs> open up to another uh, uh forum, really what it comes down to. Because uh, one of the things that I really enjoy about talking with you, Jeff, is that uh and with hip too, uh the, the dynamic of this show is that it's not a communal agree a thought. Uh, there are plenty of times where uh, Hip will say something and I don't agree with it, and vice versa. Uh, I'll say that Hip might not agree with it, but we've always treated each other with respect, and, and that is something that I really treasure because I, I respect the hockey minds, I respect the opinions, and uh, like I said, I think that, uh, that good debates are, are what's key in keeping things fun and interesting.
2: Yeah, and just being honest, because you're not going to fool the listeners, you're not going to fool your readers, just be honest with your thoughts, and sometimes that creates a bit of conflict, but it also makes for a very entertaining show, or an entertaining article, so you just got to be honest, that's what I know I try to do, just be honest with my thoughts, a lot of times I do find myself agreeing with you, or agreeing with Hip, or agreeing with one of our callers, and sometimes I don't, and I just raise my point, you guys raise yours, and in the end that respect is always there, I couldn't agree more, um, because at the end of this, we're all still LA Kings fans, we're still brothers, and we're still good friends. Uh, we just love talking about hockey, and sometimes those opinions are going to be mixed or they're going to conflict. But uh, in my opinion, opinion that actually makes for a better show.
1: Definitely, and uh, speaking of that, uh, tonight, one of the things that... Uh... That uh, we did not uh, get into, and I really had just thought about it uh, this uh, this month. Uh, the National Hockey League is uh, celebrating hockey is for everyone, and unfortunately, uh, four Chicago Blackhawks fans did not get the memo about that. And an uh, incident that happened last game uh, between Dante's uh, uh, Pelly Smith, uh, the Washington Capitals and some uh, Blackhawks fans who paid an awful lot of money to be sitting where they were sitting while Pelly Smith was in the penalty box. And, uh, Jeff, I will let you take the story from there as far as what occurred.
2: Yeah, you know, it's this really angers me when stuff like this still happens today. In 2018, um, I, I'm a big soccer fan, and over in Europe in certain countries, there's still a lot of racism going on from fans to, uh, you know, to players that that may be of a different color or even a different religion or whatever the case may be, but Devonte Smith-Pelly, former Anaheim Duck, uh, now playing with the Washington Capitals, playing in Chicago, of course, had the incident with Chicago fans, uh, where they were insulting him with extreme racist comments that uh, you know is completely unnecessary and uncalled for. To the credit of the people working at the United Center in Chicago, those people were ejected from the game. They should be banned from ever watching another game. There's no call for that at all, and it really just ticks me off. And it's so sad that in 2018 that this stuff is still happening. You know, I always, I always wanted to think of hockey uh, being better than that in, in comparisons to maybe some other sports. For example, like what happens in soccer over in Europe. You know, where we have players like Grant Fier was a Hall of Famer. Uh, uh, oh, who was the first uh, Willie? Uh, was it Willie McGee, the first ever? Oh, you got to help me out here, hockey. Willie McGee for the Boston Bruins wasn't it the first black player ever to play no, in no, the no, no, NHL? No, 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 Willie.
1: No, no, not not Willie. McGee. Willie McGee was an outfielder for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals uh, back in the no, day. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. You're thinking, yes, you're thinking of Willie O'Ree. Of O'Ree, O'Ree. O'Ree. That's yes, that's O'Ree. right. Willie, oh, O'Ree. Yes. My Willie L- my, O'Ree. My apologies, No problem.
2: My apologies. It, and and by the, the
1: way, Jim, it, yes, and it's it, Jim, it's Black History Month. Hockey is for everyone. Please let's. We got to get our names right here. Willie O'Ree.
2: Yes, my okay, apologies. Please. My apologies. Willie O'Ree. But no, such as players such as Adron who who's had a Hall of Fame career, you know, just recently played with the Kings. Uh, it's just completely uncalled for. So a big thumbs down to those Chicago fans in my opinion, not just ejected from the game, but they should be banned from returning to the United Center. There is no excuse for that. Whether it is Black History Month or whether it is whatever, there's no there's no call for that at all, period, at any game or any time of the year.
1: Okay, so let me – okay, so for those of you, just in case you don't know what was said, uh, the fans were chanting basketball at, uh, at Smith-Pelly. Now – I at first when I read that it, when I first read about it I thought to myself yeah you know what it might be, I think there might be a little bit of an overreaction here a little bit of a little bit too much political correctness however I uh, I'm not Devonte Smith-Pelly and I haven't had to take uh, the crap that that guy has had to take I mean we've heard of incidents involving other players uh, where there were I, I think it was P.K. Subban who uh experience someone throwing a banana on the ice, uh, when that, that now that is just disgusting as far as what that infers. And the inference from fans that he should be playing basketball and not hockey, uh, you is I I started to like kind of read into it so to speak. Uh and not just just blow it off as uh okay, so they said basketball. It's not so much the word basketball, it's what it was inferring. Where you put the the inflammatory portions of it and the the racist aspect of it, and I think that the uh, Blackhawks organization handled it as good as it could possibly be handled. Uh, they threw these they threw these people out. They identified all of them and told them they're not allowed back in the United Center. Uh, that's that's for one. The other aspect about it too is they tweeted out a sincere uh, a sincere apology uh, in regards to that. Now Jeff. I want to, uh, in touching on this, I want to tell you a quick story here that I heard that involves Antoine Roussel. And it was an eye-opener for me because I didn't know the meaning behind it. And once I tell you it, uh, you maybe you can explain it because if you talk about cultural differences and saying something to really get under somebody's skin, uh, what it means. So... Antoine Roussel was in the penalty box, and I'm not going to identify the player because, uh, this, like I said, this story was, was told to me. And on top of that, the player isn't here to defend themselves. So uh, it was somebody Roussel got into a fight with, and uh, they're both off the ice. And Roussel is not exactly regarded as, a, as an upstanding uh, citizen in the NHL, so to speak. So this particular player, was they were cussing at each other, and this player called Roussel a frog and Roussel lost his mind and, try, and was getting the attention of the referees and he was called, uh, that, what that other player called him. And the, uh, the, the on-ice officials asked the off-ice officials if they heard uh, that word come out of that other player's mouth directed at Roussel. And I was puzzled because I didn't know what it meant until it was explained to me. Jeff, do you know uh, what that means and why that's such an insult to a French-Canadian?
2: Uh, go ahead, Argy, tell us.
1: Okay, so apparently, as it was explained to me, that um, a frog was uh, – the term frog was used as a derogatory term back in World War II toward the French by the Nazis. Oh, wow. And that is – yeah, that is the equivalent of uh, of using the N-word. Uh, and it's uh, it's something that what they call it's it's actually referred to as the Quebec uh, frog insult, and it is an actual ethnic slur. And it's uh, it's something that uh, I had no idea about until until the whole story was told to me, and I never would have thought given it uh, I never would have given it uh, a second thought uh, behind it. But yeah, it's apparently it toward the French. Uh, it is a very derogatory term and something you would never, ever want to tell uh, somebody uh, in that regard. That's, that's, that's hitting a nuclear button.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've heard that term being used before uh, with bad intentions, uh, always towards French-Canadian uh, players. Uh, but I never knew it had that connection all the way down to World War II with the Nazis. That actually kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, but yeah, but whatever the term, whatever the negativity is, even just shouting out basketball, 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 you know, with uh, the venom behind it, the reason why they're saying it, uh, like I said, completely uncalled for. you got to get that stuff out of the game. And yeah, kudos to the Chicago Blackhawks organization, to the people working at the United Center. I mean, uh, even uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman made a statement on it as well. You know, you want to get on that right away and you, you want to cut that crap out. You do not want that in the game.
1: Yeah. Definitely. So, so yeah, I mean, we, uh, so we learn something new every day here and uh, that, uh these, uh, that these things, like I said, on the surface, when I first read it, I didn't, I didn't think much of it until I really delved into it. And then it reminded me of that story that was told to me about what was directed at, uh, at Aspong himself. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's something that was handled uh, correctly uh, by the national hockey league. And in this era of, uh, hockey being for everyone because it truly is Uh, the thing that I'm really looking forward to and hopefully it happens sooner rather than later is when we do have uh, our first uh, professional player that's in the prime of their career and hopefully it's somebody that is uh, I love that actually uh, comes out of the closet Uh, I think that that would be I think that would be huge
2: yeah absolutely so, We've already seen it with other well, sports, so it's really just a matter of time where uh, a big star uh, would be someone uh, in the NHL that uh, would be gay or, or or whatever, whatever the case may be. It could be even transgender, whatever right. the case may be, and everybody's okay with it, as they should be. Right. And it could that be a big be star in the future of the of the NHL. I mean, and that that's just the way that's the true. world is, you know. It it should be like that because hockey is for everyone and who really cares what sex you are. We were talking about the women's Olympic hockey, um, uh, earlier in the show, it doesn't matter what sex you are. It doesn't, even matter, it doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. Hockey is for everyone. And if you're going to play, for example, our team, the LA Kings, we just want you to be productive on that ice. That's really the only thing that matters is, uh, is trying to be the best hockey player that you can be. Everything else is not important. It's not our business and does not matter at all.
1: That's true. As a matter of fact, the NWHL, uh, Harrison Brown uh, is a transgender man. Is, uh, is a female to male uh, is transgender, and uh, I mean the the love of hockey is what's tantamount out, and the fact that that is a hockey player out there. So uh, that's uh, I mean kudos to uh, Harrison Brown. And as a matter of fact, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Harrison Brown I did drop the puck at a recent event. And uh, for, forgive me, I don't remember which one it was. Uh, just trying to find out real quick while I'm here and no, I don't have it, but, uh, but, uh, Harrison Brown did, did drop the puck recently at an event and is still out there in the forefront of, uh, of rights and, uh, equal rights for the LBGTQ community and, uh, doing it through, uh, being, uh, being in the game and, uh, playing hockey and doing uh, what he does best out there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it takes, it takes someone like Harrison to uh, to be the brave one, to, pi- to become the pioneer, and open that door uh, to inspire other people to make the same move that he did uh, of playing hockey and just going out there and playing hockey, which is really what hockey is all about. It's the first mm-hmm. step of planning. and
1: one it is, and one and just one thing, and this is important to to note in the process of. This, uh, back in September, uh, Harrison Brown uh, was going to retire at the age of 23 from the National Women's Hockey League in order to undergo hormone therapy because part of the, uh, part of the tra- the portion of transitioning from female to male is the use of uh, testosterone and testosterone has an anabolic effect and that would have given Harrison Brown a physical edge, a performance enhancing edge. However, uh, what ended up happening is Harrison Brown delayed the medical transition in order to play with the New York Riveters uh, in the National Women's Hockey League again. So the league doesn't exactly require you to identify as female, but they must say that you cannot be using hormone therapy if you're a transgender man. So uh, kudos to, kudos to Brown who who lets uh, lets his love of hockey. Uh, get up in front of something else that's equally, if not more important in the longevity of his life and to be happy and to continue playing in the NWHL.
2: Well said, Augie. Very, very well said. I just want to thank, uh, Jerry, I just want to thank you for uh, calling into the show, sir. Any final thoughts before we uh, go to a close?
0: Uh, no, I don't really have anything. Uh Thanks for letting me be a part of the show again. Uh, I always enjoy it. It's always fun.
2: Oh, always. Always. And thank uh, you for your support, sir. And maybe be talking to you tomorrow.
0: Absolutely. You'll be talking to me tomorrow.
2: All right. Excellent. Take care. Good night,
0: Jerry. Go Kings go. All right. You too. You guys guys too. Go Kings go. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. Are you you calling
1: in tomorrow? Oh, of course yeah oh, uh it a pleasure. Time game time do we have a show with
2: you go ahead sorry go ahead
1: uh oh, no i was asking i know i was going to ask what time game time is tomorrow and it's right here in front of me it's going to be a uh, 5 p.m pacific time uh so uh yeah you know what uh that's right no tuesday night hockey for me tomorrow as we have a bye this week and uh yeah i'll be calling in
2: okay excellent i'll be calling in as well i believe hip is in as well hopefully he uh gets his technical difficulties all sorted out as he wasn't able to uh, log into the studio on this show, but we had him covered as we always do because here at LA Kings Road Talk Radio, just like the Kings today and the last game against Buffalo, we work as a team. So until next time, everyone, have yourselves a good night. We're back on the air tomorrow, and go Kings, go. Elvis, do your go thing. Go Kings,
1: go. Good night, everyone. Absolutely. Go, Kings, up go Elvis. Good night.
3: Come on, baby, find me all right. Hey, hey, come on, what I say. Fantastic.